I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, last week um, we began what will be a sermon series in the Lord's Prayer, as it's famously called, this famous prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. I want to continue to remind you of something that kind of in our Protestant heritage um, has always been a central idea, and that's that this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, really tells us so much of what we need to know about what it means to trust God. According to Martin Luther, it is the way to take hold of God's promises in the daily affairs of our lives. And as is our custom, we'll be preparing uh, this reading with a reading from the Opposite Testament. And Kevin will be reading from the book of Exodus for us. So Kevin, you can come on up. Our Old Testament reading is from Exodus chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And then from Matthew chapter 6, I'll begin reading verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask that you, Lord, would do the thing that only you can do in this moment. And that is, by the power of your spirit, would you shine light on these words that are in your word. Lord, would you shine light also in the places in our hearts where the light needs to be shown? Lord, would you shine light on the words that I prepared? And would you use them to great effect in our hearts and in our lives? And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So it's not how you start but it's how you finish. Has anybody heard this phrase before? It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. This is a way that people try to remind themselves that it's not the beginning that matters as much as the end result. It's the way that people remind themselves to not give up and press on. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. I think it works. For sports, I think it works for, I don't know, marathon running. 
I think it works probably for mountain climbing. I was trying to think of other things it probably works for. It, it probably works for cooking. Back to sports, I heard Michael Phelps say it works for long distance swimming. It might work for a project at work. But according to Jesus, it doesn't work when it comes to prayer. When it comes to prayer, it is actually how we start. You know, I have been a pastor in some shape or form for almost 19 years. And the amount of times that someone has come to me across a table and has leaned over and kind of looked over their shoulder, because maybe this is not the kind of thing you're supposed to say in Birmingham, Alabama, looked over their shoulder to make sure no one was listening and leaned across the table and said to me, hey, Joel, I don't know how to pray. And I don't even know where to start. If that's you, Jesus gives us words for how to start. The, the Lord's Prayer, this famous prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples, we could probably call it the disciples' prayer, has seven petitions. It asks for seven things. And today is the first one. Hallowed be your name. Now, as we explore these simple words, hallowed be your name, these four words, there's a main thing I want to try to get us to. There's a main idea I want you to hear. If you don't hear anything else I say, this is the thing I want you to hear, and we're gonna unfold it as we go. But I think in these four words, when Jesus is encouraging his disciples to start, to start with hallowed be your name, in this idea... I think it's a really beautiful truth. Here's the main thing I want you to hear. What Jesus is saying here is that God's character is steady and sure. And God is determined to make us into people who worship him rightly. God's character is steady and sure and he is determined to make us into people who worship him rightly. But to get at that main idea, we have to do three things together. First, we have to talk together this morning about God's name. When the Bible talks about the name of the Lord, what are the scriptures talking about? So that'll be our first move of this sermon. What is God's name? Secondly, we have to talk about what does this word hallowed mean? I was talking to one of my kids about this word hallowed and they asked if it had anything to do with Halloween. And the answer to that is kind of actually, but that's another sermon for another, another day. Thirdly, we need to figure out what exactly are we asking God to do when we pray this? So what's God's name? What does the word hallowed mean? And what are we asking of our Lord in this prayer? So if you like outlines from preachers in advance, that's where this is going. So first, let's talk about this name of God. What is God's name? When the scriptures talk about the name of the Lord, what's going on here? Well, in the Bible, when the scriptures talk about the name of the Lord, it's talking about God's character. 
See, God's character, you might say his character, his personality is interchangeable with his name. See, sometimes we name our own children based on just names we like, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's completely fine. But the Bible means something different when it talks about a name, specifically the name of the Lord. And it means the Lord's character and reputation. It's another way of saying God himself. But it's still a little bit of a mysterious idea, so let's unfold it a bit further. The first place in scripture where God's name gets brought up in a deep and thorough way is actually the text that you just heard Kevin read. It's this famous Exodus scene from chapter three. And to make a long story, Exodus, very, very short to this point, um, there's a man named Moses and he's out in the wilderness. He is an Israelite, but things have gone deeply wrong in his life on all kinds of levels. And he's out in the wilderness. I'll refrain from telling you at this moment all the kinds of good things God does for us in wilderness places. But he's out in the wilderness and he sees a bush that is burning, but it's interesting because though it is burning, it is not being consumed. And in that moment on holy ground, the Lord, or Moses encounters the Lord. And the Lord calls Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Moses will act as the great liberator of the people of Israel. And Moses says to God, I don't even know who you are. And when I go to Egypt and I say this thing to Pharaoh about letting my people go, all the people are going to say, what God told you this? Like, who are you dealing with? Who are you talking about? So Moses says, Lord, they're not going to know who you are. I don't know who you are. So tell me your name. And from the bush, the Lord answers, I am. And you could almost imagine Moses saying, you are who? <laughs> I am. You could almost imagine Moses saying, that's what I'm asking you. Another way to say it would be the Lord's answer is, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. This is God's extremely serious way of saying that Moses, you are going to see me act. You're going to see me reveal my character. You're going to see me prove who I am to you. You are going to see me show you what I am like. You're going to see me act in ways that are utterly unique and distinct and holy, which means other than what you could imagine. You're going to see me put on display who I am. I will show you who I am and the things I'm going to do for you. I am. So when we talk about the name of God, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are talking about God's proven character. So what are we asking when we ask for that name to be hallowed? So that's his name, second part, hallowed. 
Now, hallowed is a kind of an older English way of saying something, and it maintains its presence in this prayer and in our Bibles out of the sort of English language tradition of using this word. Certain biblical translations try to, try to reflect the tradition of how the word is used, and this is one of these cases. So let me just define the word hallowed for you. Um, it, it really means holy, set apart, we might say sanctified for special use, special, unique, distinct, treasured, valued. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we're talking about God's name, we're talking about his character, and we're using the word hallowed, what we're in essence saying is God's name is the most holy, unique, distinct, other, special, treasured, valued, set apart thing in all the world because God himself is the most treasured, special, unique, set apart, treasured and valued person in all the world. So name has to do with God's character. Hallowed has to do with something wholly distinct, unique, and set apart. So here's part three. When we pray the prayer, hallowed be your name, what are we actually asking God to do? What are we asking God to be? And I want to unfold that by my way of summarizing it for you. When we pray, hallowed be your name, this is kind of what we're praying, okay? We're saying, Lord, will you continue to be everything that you are? We're saying, Lord, will you in this moment, and I mean today, act in keeping with everything that you are? In this moment, in this circumstance, in this need, in this pain, in this confusion, in this concern, will you please be you? And whatever I'm about to unload and all the needs I'm about to put before you, I'm asking that you will be exactly what you are in all these things. And there's a second thing we're praying. We're asking God to be everything he is, but then we're asking something for ourselves. And this edges a little closer to our hearts. See, we are hallowers. We, we are going to consider something most holy, most special, most unique, most treasured, most valued. We're going to do that. There's no such thing as a human being who's kind of a hallower and a not hallower. Every human person, by nature of who they are, are going to treasure, set apart, make unique, distinct, treasured, valued, special, something. We're gonna make something ultimate. We can't help but do that. It's what human persons do. They're ultimate meaning makers all the time. See, so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're saying, Lord, will you be exactly who you are? But we're praying another thing. 
We're saying, Lord, will you help us learn to hold you highest? Will you help us grow in our recognition of your character? Will you help us develop in our obedience? Will you help us develop in our submission to you? Will you help us register you as the most supremely valuable thing in our hearts, in our minds, in our hearts? Will you help your opinion matter most to us? Will you help us recognize who you are? And to press this down into our hearts further before we prepare to celebrate at this table, I think it's helpful for us to think about how God answers both of those prayers. If part one is, Lord, will you be who you are? I wanna tell you how God answers that. Lord, will you help us treasure you above all things? I wanna tell you how I think our Lord answers that. So to that part of the prayer, Lord, would you be exactly who you are in every circumstance? The Lord answers back, sure, of course I will. One of the unique things about God, one of the unique features of his greatness, one of the greatest things about him, and that is saying something, is that he can only be exactly who he is. Apostle Paul renders it like this one time. He is faithful even when we're faithless because he can't deny himself. That's a unique thing about God. He can't be other than who he is. See, one of the things about us is we can be outside of our character. We can act out of keeping with who we are. It's a unique part of not only our sinfulness but just our fallenness. I remember a time that I was out to dinner with Mandy. I share this with her permission. Um, I was out to dinner with Mandy um, at the beginning of Grace Fellowship existing as a church. And we go out to eat to just sort of talk. And um, it's our kind of habit and custom at certain dinners where we just bring up the conversation like, how's marriage going for you? Um, <laughs> And so we're at one of these restaurants, and it's one of these restaurants that's small, that the tables are like as close as I am to like this edge, and you see everyone you know there. And we sit down at dinner, and of course, I have no concept of anything going on. So, so I say, so tell me how marriage is going. And Mandy starts crying. <laughs> and they weren't happy tears. <laughs> and she's like trembly and tearful, which matters when you say things to people. She's trembly and she's crying and she says, and I'm gonna kind of edit this a bit. She said in so many words, 
you've just been such a jerk lately. And see, in a very tender way, Mandy was essentially saying to me, you are acting out of keeping with your character. See, human beings can be that way. Listen to me, it's so deeply hopeful. Our Lord never is that way. So to the prayer, Lord, would you please be exactly who you are in this circumstance? Our Lord's answer to that is sure, of course. Remember the main thing this morning, our Lord's character is steady and sure. But what about to this second part? What about to this second part? Lord, would you help us treasure, value, hold you highest, esteem you most greatly, grow in our obedience to you, grow in understanding your value? Will you help your opinion of us matter most to us in all the world? What about to that second prayer? How does the Lord answer that one? Because when you hear me explain it that way, doesn't that just expose something in you? When I, when I hear what this phrase actually means, it, un, it exposes something in me. See, see, the root cause, the root cause of so many unhealthy or sinful or fallen things in me is the flat out reality that I esteem, make ultimate, and hallow the wrong things. I, I hallow, esteem, make ultimate my own comfort, my own ease. I hallow and esteem and make ultimate a certain level of security financially, relationally, or otherwise. I hallow and esteem and make ultimate being liked by people above almost anything. I hallow and esteem and make ultimate certain sorts of pleasures and comforts. If I'm honest, in my prayers, I'm mostly asking God to keep everything comfortable for me. And see, this prayer, hallowed be your name, it exposes all of that in us, doesn't it? It also just exposes not just ways that I prize other things above our Lord. The Bible will give a term to that. It's just called idolatry. But it also just exposes that my greatest needs are just not what I think they are. See, I, if you were to just tell me right now and I were to answer you honestly, Joel, what's your greatest need? First of all, I'd just look at you blankly for a second. And then I, if I were to be very honest, I'd say, everything going better for me? If someone were to say to me right now, what is Grace Fellowship's greatest need? I might say something like, having a place to worship come January. But see, what this prayer exposes is that's not our greatest need. 
Our greatest need is for the Lord to be exactly who he is in every circumstance and for us to be growing and treasuring him as highest and the best. That is our greatest need. See, see, Grace Fellowship, just to put it in that term, needs a place to worship less than we just need the Lord to be the Lord in every circumstance and for us to learn to treasure him and esteem him most highly. That's actually Grace's greatest need. It's Joel Busby's greatest need. It's your greatest need. So the question is, how does the Lord answer this second prayer? The first way he answers is, of course, I will always be everything that I am. I'm learning that this, the way he answers the second prayer he answers it, and his answer is the one talking. His answer, of course, is Jesus. See, this same Jesus lives a perfect life of obedience before the Father. This same Lord Jesus makes his way to a cross to give himself for sinners like you and me. This same Jesus is raised from the dead to make those who esteem who esteem other things as highest and the best. He goes to the cross, he's raised from the grave to make those same sort of fallen sinners alive in him. This Jesus, the Bible teaches us, at this very moment, upholds the universe by the word of his power. And as if that were not enough, he gives his Spirit, to day by day convert you and me into people who treasure him as the highest and the best. See, his character is steady and sure, and he is acting in such a way that he is making you and I into the kind of people who worship him rightly. Once again, this same Lord Jesus talking here is once again doing everything to provide the very things he is requiring. And that just so happens this morning to be all your hope. See, it's where we start in prayer. But as always, it's how Jesus finishes. It's how Jesus finishes. It's how Jesus finishes and accomplishes everything for you and me. And that has a way of stirring our hearts and affections. And it makes us into people who treasure him as the highest and the best. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray together.